0: Why are the Hawks just so darn inconsistent?
1: There's still time for us to get that rhythm, you know, get that mojo back.
0: Welcome to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Sarah Spencer, Hawks Beat Reporter for the AJC. And today, we're going to go over the past week, including a big one versus the Warriors, talk about what the Hawks need to do to finish the season strong. And we'll also have my favorite section, as you guys know, wait for it, the mailbag section. I also hope you guys listened to our episode with Hawks CEO Steve Conan. That was our last episode. He had a lot of really good insights. So hopefully you all listen to that. If you haven't, go back and give that a listen. The Hawks Report is brought to you by Emory Healthcare, the official team healthcare provider of the Atlanta Hawks.
1: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nigut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.
0: Okay, so let's dive into today's episode and let's try to make sense. Uh, let's try to make heads or tails of what has been going on. With this team, I guess I could say lately, but sort of all season long as well. Um, The past few games, the Hawks have lost to the Pelicans, very shorthanded injury-wise. We've talked about that on a previous episode. And the Pistons actually got blown out by the Pistons. Second half of a back-to-back and shorthanded. But I don't know that that's an excuse necessarily. The Hawks are still definitely the better team They are. And the Hawks are actively trying to climb in the standings. Detroit is not. They've been out of playoff contention for a while now. So I, I don't know that I'm – it might be a reason why they struggle, but I, I don't know. Nate McMillan talked about having heavy legs, but I, I don't know that it's an excuse. So anyway, losses to the Pelicans, loss, a loss to the, the Pistons. But then they've beaten the Grizzlies and the Warriors, two fantastic teams in the West – really really good teams in the west so that's sort of the story of this season almost um i I think now that we're getting close to the end of the season we have the we have kind of the benefit of hindsight and being able to look back on the rest of this season the hawks if y'all will remember i'm sure you will if you're listening to this um because it was a big win the hawks actually beat phoenix at one point red hot red hot phoenix but then they've also lost to the Spurs. Remember when they gave up 136 to the Spurs? Sorry to remind you about that one. That one was not very fun. Um, they've also lost to the Magic. So this has been an up and down season. They're they can beat the teams where it's like, whoa, you beat you beat you beat who? And then they they lose to teams where it's like, hold on, you should beat that team. And on paper, you should you should be able to beat that team. Why isn't that translating? So. I actually want to share with you guys a really, I found this to be a super, super insightful quote from Hawks forward, Danilo Gallinari. And he talked about, so this is after the win against the Warriors. He talked about that. And we'll get into more details about that specific game. But I wanted to lead with this quote because I found it like incredibly insightful. It was one of those moments where I was like, I feel like I've been talking about this team for months on end. And then in 30 seconds or less, Gallo kind of explained maybe 90% of sort of what's gone wrong with the Hawks this season, which is, and I'll let him say it, but basically kind of commenting on that can be a maturity thing when you're losing to the teams that you shouldn't, but getting up for those big games, um, it can kind of be, he was sort of asked about, you know, maturity. Can that be something that, that leads to that inconsistency? And here, here was his answer. Uh,
1: yeah, for sure. Uh, that's that's the process when you know when when you have a um, a team that is a young team. Uh, that's something you need you need to get better at. And the the, the teams, the, the the great teams, and the teams that are mentally strong. Those are the the, the games that you say they they are must win games that you need to win. And you gotta find ways to win. Maybe uh, it could be a tight game. That doesn't matter. Uh, at the end of the game, at the end of the, when you, when it's the fourth quarter and it's a tight game against those
0: kind of teams, you need to to get those games. It's easy to find motivations when you play against very good teams. Uh it's 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 tougher to find motivations when you play against teams that are not in a playoff race. So uh the main goal is to find uh find motivations uh to to play well against those teams too. Okay, so that's Gallo kind of talking about why the Hawks and that's him straight up saying, you know, yes, we have been playing down to some teams that we should not and we should be able to beat who are you heard him say, you know, teams that are out of the playoff race. It's harder to find motivation. And then being able to to knock off, you know, those big kind of Goliath teams. Um so we talked about being mentally tough and how that's important in order to make sure you really show up every single game. You can't only get up for those big exciting ones. It's the you heard him say even the, the – sm- not smaller, because every game – every game that like counts the same, right? But those games that you quote-unquote should win, those are kind of, in a way, like the most important because you should be able to win those games. You should be able to, you know, to kind of cross that off the list a little bit. So I don't know. I thought – that was actually kind of two quotes of him, two quotes from him that we spliced together. And I just thought both of them – both of those were just the most – I just thought those were completely and totally insightful. So, Gala, thank you for doing some of my job for me there and summing everything up, Go, uh, summing everything going on with the Hawks up so well. I kind of, like, messed up my prepositions there. But let's just roll with it here um, and get into some more specifics of that game against the Warriors because, again, that that is a good – that's a great win. the The Hawks were – or the Warriors, rather, were playing without Steph Curry. But Klay Thompson was still there. Draymond Green was still there. Uh, I mean, this was still – this is still a good Warriors team, although they are missing kind of their their main shooter, or I guess their their quote-unquote biggest threat in, in Steph Curry. But um, the Hawks were up 18, entering the fourth, because they really, really dominated in the third quarter. They gave up 42 points in the first quarter – Hawks coach Nate McMillan is a really defensive guy. And even he, when he was talking about the first quarter mentioned, sometimes a team like that is just going to get hot and get going. Um, They were actually, he actually liked the way the Hawks were trying to defend in that first quarter and kind of figured if we can continue to get into them and continue to, to play with energy on defense, they're not going to hit shots like that all game long. And that turned out to be true. So the Hawks were down 42, 36 in the first quarter um, but then got it together a little bit more in the second and third. Actually won the third quarter 32-16. And to hold a team like the Warriors to 16-1 quarter is pretty impressive. And that ended up being a pretty big reason why they won that game. They actually ended up losing the fourth 27-20. And the story of that fourth quarter is that the Hawks were up 18, entering the fourth. And as you guys know, holding on to leads has been a, a little tough. For the Hawks this season, so have you know slow starts. So has the defense. In addition to having a spectacular offense, those are a few things that the Hawks have have struggled with this season, and that's a big reason why they're at five hundred right now. Um, so that lead did not exactly feel safe. Even an eighteen point lead entering the fourth did not exactly feel safe, especially playing such a um, such a really prolific team in Golden State. Um, So with about four minutes to go, Golden State got hot. And with about four minutes to go, the Hawks were only up by three. And it kind of felt like, okay, here we go again. You know, this is another game that the Hawks can't hold on to. But then Trey Young took over. In the final four minutes, he did exactly what the Hawks needed him to do. They needed, you know, their superstar guard to take control of the wheel and get them to this win, and that's exactly what he did. Um, so in the final four minutes, Trey Young assisted on, and this is out of order, but just listing what he did in the final four minutes, he assisted on two baskets. He went four for four from the line, and he had this like really awesome dagger three pointer to uh, to kind of ice this one to to play on his nickname there. Um, so Trey Young did exactly what they needed him to do against. A great team, and at a time in the season where I mean, the Hawks have obviously you need wins all season long, but a time when the Hawks really needed that win—they've been playing well at home. They really needed that. They're about to go on the road again. Um, again, only eight games left, so a slim margin for error, um, and they needed that win, and he got it for them. Um, I mean, obviously, it was it was more than just that, but he definitely had the steering wheel there. And Nick McMillan talked about. Trey Young's just decision making in that fourth quarter uh, against the Warriors.
1: That's what we we need to see from him: his ability to manage the game, uh, you know, ad- adapt to conditions uh, in that fourth quarter, and that's what he did tonight. You know, they was hitting him, they was trapping him, uh, they played a box and one on him. Uh, you know, he did a good job of playing off the ball, calling sets. Uh, to get us into offense. And, you know, those are the things that uh, he has to continue to show the growth.
0: And Trey really did do an excellent job of navigating around and through uh, Golden State's defense. He tied a season high with 15 assists. Um, if you guys remember that game against Charlotte, the, the recent loss a few games back, um, Charlotte double teamed Trey to a point where it was just, smothering basically their entire game plan was keep the ball out of trey young's hands at literally any cost possible uh to the point where i mean it was just that it was almost like tough to watch like they were just really trying to get the ball out of trey young's hands and golden state was definitely trying to get it out of his hands but he was doing an excellent job of getting off the ball and finding open guys because basic, you know, the basic math is if you send two on Trey, someone is open. And that's kind of as difficult as, as complex as X's and O's can be. That's kind of a simple one right there um, that the Hawks can really use to their advantage because Trey so often has to, you have to put two defenders on him. Um, So anyway, I thought he, I thought he navigated that super, super well. And so did Nate McMillan, obviously. Um, So, uh, so the, the Hawks get that win, 8 regular season games left, which is nuts because now we're down to like single digit games. Um this is just this is just crazy. I actually thought about it. This is my first like full 82 game season because my first season is when, you know, March 11th, the um the league suspended the league um suspended the season and then last season was kind of off the, the timing of it was off and then um, the regular season was a little shortened. So this is like full on 82 games, intense season of only eight left, which is just nuts. So this has been asked quite a few times before. <laughs> so bear with me. Stop me if you've heard this before. Um, will that win over the Warriors finally be a springboard for the Hawks?
1: You know, we certainly hope so we we we, we talked about that, you know, uh, you know, building off of this game and, uh, you know, these remaining eight games. uh, There's still time for us to get that rhythm, you know, get that mojo back and, uh, you know, a game like this uh, coming out with that focus and uh, playing with that attitude that's necessary. uh, We certainly can uh, get that going.
0: So that's Nate McMillan talking about how it's not too late for them to, um, I actually like the way he worded that, get get their mojo back a little bit. Um, so the Hawks have not been above 500. So I'm not talking about at 500. Right now they're 37 and 37. We are recording this Sunday, late morning, early afternoon-ish. The Hawks have not been above 500 since December 9th. They were 13 and 12. They're now 37-37. and 37. So they had the chance to get above 500 against Charlotte March 16th, but they lost. They had the chance to do it against the Pelicans March 20th, but they lost. They had another chance to do it March 23rd against Detroit. They lost. So, um, yeah, haven't quite been able to get it done. But they've got two more chances coming up as far as this next road trip. They'll play the Pacers in Uh, Indiana and then they'll play in Oklahoma City both of those are pretty solid chances to get above 500 those are teams that on paper the Hawks should beat even if they're shorthanded right like really even if they're shorthanded this is a very deep this is a deep talented roster Um, and I'm not saying that the Hawks should not struggle at all missing a guy like John Collins of course that's going to affect you But there this is a situation where I I do think that they can they can pick up these wins, even if they're missing a guy like John, who that is a big loss for them. I'm not trying to understate that. Um, So what Nate is saying, though, as far as using this as a springboard uh, and also just as far as where the Hawks are as of Sunday afternoon. um, Let's look at the standings here. Cleveland actually is in that number seven spot. I know that's the top spot for the play play in tournament. Brooklyn is two games back from Cleveland. Charlotte is one game back from Brooklyn. And Atlanta is one game back from Charlotte. <laughs> so if you're if you're following all that, so the Hawks are still in 10th, but they're not that far behind, obviously, the Hornets or the Nets. So there is still, in these final eight games, if the Hawks can they, – now they've been a 500 team, obviously right now they're – They're exactly a 500 team. They've been in and around a 500 team for a while now. So are they going to go 8-0 these final eight games? I mean, the the odds of that are obviously slim. Um, But depending on, you know, how the Nets and how the Hornets fare, if the Hawks win at a high enough clip, could you jump up to an 8? Or sorry, could you jump up to a 9? Or, or I guess, you know, potentially an eight, depending on that That might be a reach. Maybe not because there are only two games behind that slot. So so we'll just see. We'll see what happens there. But I guess to Nate's point, saying it's not too late to get their, get their mojo back, it's not too late for them to still climb a little bit. I, I feel like we've been, you know, we have been saying that for a while. H- how high a clip can the Hawks win at in order to, climb in the standings and that that has not happened they have stayed at 10 um they've briefly gotten up to like a nine and kind of traded places with charlotte and then dropped back so that hasn't happened because they've been playing 500 basketball but if that game was actually a springboard and they go they do better than that these final eight we'll we'll just have to see how all that shakes out but obviously that would require the hawks cleaning things up in, in their final eight games yeah, I mean, we've been saying that a lot, a lot this season. Uh, we, we've uh, we've had some really good wins and then some really tough losses. So, I think this is another good win for us. I mean, a team that's, I mean, really trying to to win and stay up in their their conference. Um, I think we just need to, to, like I said, have the same mentality we had tonight and and, and carry it on to the road. So that's Trey Young talking about how the Hawks have had, like we talked about earlier in this podcast. You know, they've had some great some great great wins that they've really gotten up for and then they've had some disappointing losses where it's like that's not a game you should lose that's also not a game you can afford to lose if you want to rise in the standings which is why they haven't they've stayed at 10. Um, So we'll see what they can do in these final eight games. This is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song
0: Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and I want to thank everyone, each and every person, who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com because, as y'all know, it is what makes all of this possible. And if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast, and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast, so you always know what's really going on. Okay, so it is now time for my favorite segment, the Mailbag segment, and there is an orchestra uh, playing in the back of my guest room right now. Obviously, that's like legit what's going on. This is not a soundbite. There is is an orchestra in this room to give us some dramatic music going into the Mailbag segment, and I'm also going to bring in Producer Jay to help me answer y'all's questions.
2: I can report the AJC orchestra does not come cheap but those are the things we do for Sarah Spencer and our favorite listeners to the Hawks report.
0: I asked and they made it happen. And you guys made it happen because you subscribe to AJC.com podcast. Yes,
2: your subscriptions pay for the podcast and the orchestra. So we got a lot of Twitter questions, so we're going to lump some of these in together. Alex Park, did this team's definition of success change since last season or do you think our performance is directly linked with having to manage playoff expectations alessandro silva how do you explain the way we play against the best teams and then the indifference we show against the teams having bad campaigns and this is from sid why do the hawks beat good teams like warriors Suns, grizzlies but continue to lose to subpar teams below 500 like pistons spurs etc
0: so this is when i feel like you guys steal my notes I feel like someone has access to our Google doc Jay, because this is like so perfectly setting up what we talked about earlier in this episode. So honestly, again, I just go back to Gallo's um, answer after that big win against the Warriors and how a lot of it comes down to, you know, sort of maturity and the learning process of as a team, you have to play every game with that intensity and it's not uh, obviously every single game it's going to be hard to play with the intensity that you would play with as far as you know if you're in like game 7 of the NBA finals but you have to try your best to do that you can't have any drop off so I think I think that as far as why the Hawks have struggled with that I just go back to Gallo's answer of you know it's kind of a it's something that we have to be mentally tough with um I, I guess I guess his whole point wasn't maturity some of it you know the whole point wasn't about youth some of it was was you have to have that mental toughness to play every single game with the same level of intensity and make sure there's no drop-off because as he mentioned the games that you quote-unquote should win those are in a way the most important those are in a way the the games that there absolutely can't be any drop-off that you have to care about that you have to be cautious with the most Clunker games, they happen. But as far as great teams who are, you know, at the very top of the standings, that happens to them rarely. Whereas, like, with the 500 team, which is what the Hawks are, that's happened to them more often than they'd like.
2: All right, this is from GQ, the person, not the magazine. (laughs) When do you think JC, John Collins, will come back, and how do you see us finishing the season?
0: Okay, so on March 18th, Uh, The Hawks announced that John Collins, um, he's got a right foot strain. He's also got, I'm really sorry if I butcher this, a plantar fascia tear, which sounds awful, as well as a right ring finger sprain. Um, So he got an anti-inflammatory shot. He's got some splints. Um, He underwent a a non-surgical procedure in his right foot. Uh, And at that time, the Hawks were going to send out an update in 10 to 14 days. So that would be this week. I will say, though, that an update does not mean a return to play. As as tough as that is to accept, they might send out an update that says he's out for the season. I, I do not know that. I'm just saying it's a possibility. They might send out an update saying... He's made a lot of progress. Um, So I don't know right now when he's going to come back. Um, I think they're just kind of trying to see how he feels. I did ask Nate McMillan just a few days ago. Again, right now it's Sunday. Um, I did ask Nate McMillan just a few days ago how John was doing. And he mentioned that he's doing better. But he's not, you know, running. He's not doing anything with the ball or, or like, shooting or anything. Because you have to remember it's his finger as well. Um, So... It sounds like he's still definitely in kind of, you know, rest and recovery mode. So we will see this week. Um, I don't know when he'll come back. I don't even want to put a date out there as far as when I think he'll come back. Um, I will say, you know, foot stuff can be really tough with big guys just because of, you know, they're heavier and when they plant, when they jump, when when you come down on that foot, it can just be, you know, really tough on the body. Um, As far as how I see the Hawks finishing this season, it is just so tough. It is so tough to predict because sometimes it looks like they're going to, you know, going back to that springboard term. Sometimes it looks like they're going to use a game as a springboard because holy cow, that was such an amazing win. But then they sort of come back down to earth and they lose some games where it's like, you shouldn't have lost that game. Even if you're missing a guy or two. You guys are a great talented deep team. You you should be able to get that win. So I it is tough to predict at this point. There's only 8 games left. Um I guess if they're a 500 team, you would think they're going to go 4 and 4, but there's some games there that I I definitely could see them winning. Again, the uh they'll be in Indiana and then okay and then in OKC. Um both of those are great opportunities to get above 500. I'm I'm just going to hold out with predictions at this point. It is it's just a scatter plot kind of at this point.
2: All right, we've now entered our recurring segment of the mailbag <laughs> Jalen Johnson questions.
0: The Jalen Johnson segment.
2: <laughs> First up, ATL Sports Victim. Can Jalen play himself into the rotation late in the year, similar to how Anyeka had a late season emergence last year?
0: So Anyeka Okongwu started playing more, it wasn't a lot at a time. You know, it's like six minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes. Um, Anyaka started playing more much earlier in the season than Jalen did or has. Um, Jalen has been balling out in College Park with the College Park Skyhawks, which is the Hawks G League affiliate. He's um, a little bit above like, a you know, averaging a 20 and 10. And he's athletic. He, he's super athletic. This kid is obviously very talented. So it's not a surprise that he's putting up those numbers. I think one thing with Nate in terms of how he trusts players and how he divvies up playing time, even when the Hawks are really shorthanded, he goes. It it seems to be he goes to the guys who he really trusts on defense. And Jalen Johnson, I understand why people I completely understand Why Hawks fans want to see him play. Hey, I want to see him play too. Like he's, he's a fun player. It's always fun to watch, you know, rookies out there. It's fun to, it's fun to see what they've got. It it really, really is fun. And I think Jalen has so much potential. And obviously he did um, play a good bit against Detroit. That was, it was a blowout loss, but I mean, it wasn't, you know, it's not like that was because they played Jalen. There were a lot of other things going on um, in that game. He had 11 points. Five for nine from the floor, um, seven rebounds, which actually Nate McMillan talked about how rebounding at, after the game, um, I believe it was, he he was asked a question, I think it was from um, Chris Kirshner of The Athletic, was basically asked, like, um, could Jalen get more playing time? And Nate basically said, you know, we'll see. But he did commend him, particularly when it came to rebounding, which that is something the Hawks need more of, especially if you don't have John Collins because John Collins definitely goes and seeks out rebounding, or seeks out <laughs> rebounds, or I guess rebounding as a concept. Um, but, you know, Anyeka Okonwu, um is not rebounding as much as you'd like, maybe. I think that's an area of growth for him. And then in addition, DeAndre Hunter is not um, excelling at rebounding. So there's two guys that you kind of want more rebounding from that the Hawks are not really getting right now. So um, to answer the question... I think Jalen, I think that there are going to be, particularly, we'll see Gallo's banged up right now with his elbow. Obviously, we just talked about John Collins. Um, So could Jalen get some time at the four? I think it's possible. But as far as, like, rotation and as far as being more of a, like, he's going to get, like, regular playing time, I don't think I see that happening. And I'm not saying should or shouldn't. I'm just saying there were some moments in that Detroit game where Jalen for as good as he looked offensively I think defensively he's still really learning the ropes and that's okay that's okay because a lot of times that's what happens with rookies like offensively you kind of it's a little bit more clear and defensively you have to really learn the system and a lot of that comes from reps which he hasn't gotten in the NBA and we can talk about we can obviously we can obviously talk about that too, but I I don't know if I see like regular minutes for him, if that makes sense. But I do think I see, you know, especially if the Hawks are shorthanded at the four, I think like there might be some scenarios where he can play. Um, and I would look forward to it. I'd look forward to seeing him out there. I think he's going to be a great player. Um, I'm just trying to be realistic as far as it seems like Nate kind of goes with who he trusts defensively. And I think Jalen is still kind of learning the ropes defensively.
2: Hey, guess what? We have another Jalen Johnson question. From DMAX27, why does Nate McMillan not play Jalen Johnson more? <laughs> Gallo cannot play defense worth a lick. What is his excuse?
0: Okay, okay. Um, I swear this is like all my Twitter mentions. Um, and that's okay. Again, I, under- I appreciate the enthusiasm, and I, I think Jalen Johnson is going to be good too. But Gallo, defensively, yes, it is a struggle often. But again, Jalen Johnson is not – um, defensively sound yet either, at least from what we saw in that game in Detroit. Now that was just one game. It's a small sample size, but yeah, Nate McMillan tends to go with who he trusts defensively. So, and Gallo is obviously a very seasoned, you know, veteran guy, veteran shooter, veteran leader. Um, and those are, that's obviously a guy Nate McMillan's going to trust.
2: I wish somebody loved me as much as Hawks fans love Jalen Johnson.
0: Everybody loves Jalen Johnson, but you're loving what you think Jalen Johnson would bring and he might bring it, but it's, it's just a little bit, you know, he's a rookie. It's, it's, it happens. It's a little, it's, it's, um, it's a little bit hypothetical right now just because he hasn't played that much in the NBA, which I know people don't love either. People don't love that he hasn't gotten playing time until now. So I, I hear you. I really do hear you. I'm just trying to be realistic when I answer these as far as what I actually think will happen.
2: All right, next up, hashtag true to Atlanta. Do you think the Hawks will be better if they play Trey Young off the ball and try to get him more catch-and-shoot opportunities like Steph?
0: So I think that's a a good question, and I I think you actually – not to – like talking about the Warriors here, um, that's a good transition because you actually, I think, did see a little bit more of that actually when they played the Warriors. Um, And uh, so, yes, I, I do think that that is an option for them. Because, again, teams are going to double Trey. You see that, actually. They, they get on him so fast when he gets the ball, like way down the court. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I do think it makes sense to put the ball in someone else's hands because Trey's good at catch and shoot. So why not do why not do that? I think that's smart, depending on how defenses are, are coming at you. So Trey's always going to be on the ball a lot because he's really good on the ball, and that's the Hawks' offense. But, um, yes, depending how teams are defending him – if you can do that and get him some, you know, some catch and shoot, I think that's a good idea.
2: And finally, from B.B. Cohen, why does this team go away from the pick and roll league?
0: Okay, so I know we've talked about Detroit a little bit. Um, so after that overtime loss in Detroit, that's been a little bit ago now, um, Trey actually talked about this a little bit. He mentioned a lot of teams are switching. So when you run a lot of pick and roll, teams are just going to switch. And then you just get into a lot of either throwing it into the big and everybody's standing or you're just getting into a lot of switches. So a lot of teams we played recently have been switching teams. And then he mentioned if they're switching, it's really hard to run pick and roll because if you're just going to switch, they're going to be switching every time. I know we're I've been one of the best um, PGs with our bigs and pick and roll the last couple of years, but it's just teams know that's what we do. So they're guarding that lob and making sure we don't beat them by the lob and just make sure they stay in front of us. And I think that's another example of, so that was Trey Young's um, quote after that overtime loss in Detroit. And I think that that is kind of an example of teams learning about the Hawks on that playoff run. So they have had to sort of adjust a little bit um, this season because of how they know how prolific the Hawks are with that. So teams are looking out for it more. Yeah, I think that's something that they've had to sort of contend with this season.
2: Did you do your homework last week?
0: I did. I listened to the Braves report. It was really, really good. So shout out to you guys. That was really awesome. I thought Justin is like amazing. His analysis is fantastic. Justin, ama- Justin is amazing. His analysis is fantastic. And like y'all have great chemistry together. I thought it was so good. I listened to the episode that was um the Braves reload yeah, this was after the um, kind of Freddie Freeman situation, but no, everybody, everybody listened to the Braves report because it was really, really good. I, I don't, I didn't mean to sound surprised. I'm sorry, it was so good. What, how, how on earth? I didn't expect, I expected it to be awful. <laughs>
2: We like those bars we can step over, but yes, yeah, uh, Just, Justin and I are uh, doing got a Braves report out uh, the same day this show comes out as well on on Monday, and if you also missed it, uh, our Falcons beat reporter D. Orlando Ledbetter got the first interview with Matt Ryan by a local reporter pretty much as he was coming off the stage in Indianapolis, so check that out on the Bowtie Chronicles for Atlanta Falcons fans, wherever you get your podcast.
0: I love the name of that. I love the, the Bowtie Chronicles. Okay, anyway, y'all, that's the mailbag segment. Shout out to Jay for helping me get through that. Um, okay, so just kind of to look forward a little bit here, um, like I've mentioned um, a few times, the Hawks will play in Indianapolis um, and then they'll play in OKC. So, again, right now the Hawks are sitting at 37 and 37, they're sitting in 10th in the Eastern Conference. And they're looking to climb. And in the play-in tournament, we haven't talked too much about like the specifics of the play-in tournament yet, just because um, I kind of wanted to see like where they were going to be. And I guess there's still time for them to move a little bit. Um, but you have to remember that if you're a nine or a ten, you have to win two games. So if you're a nine or a ten, it's definitely tougher on you. That's why it, you would definitely prefer to be a seven or an eight. And you'd always prefer to be like higher in in the playoff standings. That's common sense. But that's why as far as specifically seven through ten, you'd rather be a seven or an eight, because then if you're a nine or a ten, you gotta win two games. Um so anyway, um we'll have to see what they can do if they can get above five hundred and just honestly what they can do with these final eight games. So that wraps up today's episode. Um please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe share all that good stuff and we will have another episode for you later this week with a special guest and thank you guys again for listening to the hawks report from the atlanta journal constitution